Now for Rider Rides with your host, Ted Kettler. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another installment of Rider Rides here on the Motorcycle Man Podcast. I am Ted, your host. Rider Rides is where you, the listener, has the opportunity to tell us about why your bike is great and why you ride it and what makes it your bike. doesn't matter what you ride, where, or how you ride. The important thing is that you do. That bike you just heard is from today's rider, and that guest joining me here in the corner booth at the V-Twin Cafe, all the way from, where are you from? Mill Valley, California. Oh, there you go. Mill Valley, California. The co-host of the Throttled Podcast, none other than Larry Lanes. Hello, Larry, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. Woohoo! Hey, thanks, Ted. Great to be here. I'm glad you could make it. So, I have you on here because I want you to tell us about your bike. But first, I want you to tell us about your podcast. Oh, well, uh, actually, it's not. It's not quite my podcast. It's uh, Kevin McKinney started the podcast. And I joined him about uh, six or eight months into it. He was looking for a co-host. And uh, since then, he and I have been doing it together. And, you know, recently we added uh, Chris uh, Geis. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just been, a, for me, just been a lot of fun um, to do. Um, it's kind of organic. It goes where it goes. And uh, I'm going with it. So who, who would have thunk when I started out, that I would even be doing this. With Thunk, how, how many years have you been on the show now? Oh, gee, this is, uh, I think, about two years now, or a little over two years. Actually, because I remember when Kevin first started, he was he was solo for a while. And then yeah, he was solo him. for about six months, yeah. yeah and added a yeah. whole different dynamic to the show. And now you've yeah, added well, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you did that because uh, you're trying to copy the Motorcycle Men podcast, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> we worship at your feet. <laughs> well... Your demise is very soon at hand then, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, so why don't you tell us a little about uh, a little bit about the bike that you ride? Well, what bike do you own? Okay, so right now, this current moment, I own a Harley-Davidson 2012 Switchback with ABS. Oh, so that's a Dyna Series motorcycle. So this is, uh, that's right, the uh, lately uh, demised Dyna Series. Uh, so, you know, this is the last of a su- succession of bikes that I've had. I had a, uh, started off with a Suzuki Marauder for those wow. who love the Suzukis. Uh, and then I went to a BMW R1100S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from thence, I sort of cha- completely changed tack and jumped on a 2007 Sportster. Uh, you know, I love my Sportsters. I do know you love your Sportsters. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, I, I started off with that bike. And I, a, a brief story about it. I, when I bought, I bought it at a Triumph dealer. I rode the bike. And I liked it because it was so different from the BMW. Yeah. But uh, I, I brought it in. And I said to the salesman, I said, you know, this bike sounds kind of loud. <laughs> 
And he laughed and he said, well, you know, that's the Harley, you know. But I wrote it. I wrote it home. I did buy it. I proceeded to buy it. I wrote it home and I said, boy, this thing sounds really loud. So I, I took it to my mechanic before I rode home. I was afraid to take it into my neighborhood. Wow. Because it was so loud. And I said to my mechanic, you know, Bill, doesn't this sound loud to you? And he smiled and he went into his shop and he came out with a really long screwdriver. And he took the screwdriver and he stuck it in the back of the, uh, the rear muffler. And it went all the way in, no obstacles. The previous owners had completely taken out the baffles from oh. the uh, from the slip-ons. <laughs> so the bike was operating without any sound deadening at all. Wow. Yeah. So uh, at any rate, uh, I, I went with the Sportster. And then I, uh, as a, just to kind of vary my menu, I bought a uh, uh, used BMW F700GS. It's kind of a, uh, you know, a, uh, adventure bike. Right. And... I liked it, but it was so civilized. It was like it was like riding a sewing machine, you know. But very comfortable, great uh, suspension, you know. I will refrain and, from saying anything. <laughs> okay, and then finally, I I decided I, uh, to sell both of them and to go to the switchback. And one of the reasons was that I really wanted to do long distance touring. And I needed something that was uh, just a little bit more capable than the Sportster. Well, don't you think that the uh, the BMW uh, would have done exactly what you needed it to do? Yes, it would have. But that wouldn't have worked with what I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. Oh, all right then. So before we, we, we before we get off of this bike, <laughs> your uh, your uh, switchback. Uh, so yep. why so why did you choose that bike? Is is it primarily because you wanted to do some long distance riding? Yes. So uh, there, there were two things that, uh, uh, working sort of together with it. One was that I wanted a bike that I could do long-distance touring on. Uh, but I really didn't feel quite ready after the progression of bikes that I just mentioned to go onto a big 800-plus uh, pound bagger. Uh, the Switchback had just come out uh, a couple years before, and for those of you who uh, are not familiar with it, it's called a switchback because it can convert from being uh, what looks like a bagger to what looks like uh, just a cruiser. You can take the bags and the windshield off. Mm. They both have quick release. And then you have a cruiser-looking bike. If you put the bags and the windshield back on, it looks kind of like a little bit smaller road king. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I that wasn't the reason I really bought it. I bought it. Primarily because it was a little bit smaller, Road King, and I didn't feel ready to uh, move up to the the big baggers yet. Right. And then, and then the second reason that I got specifically that I got a Harley Davidson switchback was because I wanted to have somebody to ride with. And what I had been going through is that no what nobody in my immediate circle. Right. Uh, age and or otherwise uh rode motorcycles and my the only one who i knew uh, that i was close to who rode a motorcycle was my older son who got me into this in the first place yeah and he had inconsiderately moved away from home <laughs> damn him darn him so uh i i he was no longer available to ride with the uh, I had some BMWs, and I looked into riding with some guys on BMWs, but the Northern California BMW Club had meetings that were way too far away for me to attend, 
and their uh, quarterly rides were camping rides. You know, in fact, their motto is they ride to camp. And camping is not your thing? And camping is not not my thing. I, 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 did, I did my obligatory camping when I was younger. Uh, and, so now... And, and now now I motel it when right, I. Right, so so I, your idea of roughing it is that the ice machine is broken at the hotel. That's right. The, my idea of roughing it is an inexpensive hotel motel, you know. So uh, so one day I was I was sitting in the dealership waiting for my uh, Sportster to be serviced, and I got to talking with a guy who was in the lounge with me, and he invited me to join the hog group that was based from that dealership, mm-hmm. Harley Owners Group, which I did. Yeah. And there I found a group of riders that rode every weekend that were accessible from where I lived and who don't ride to camp. They ride to eat. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Bingo. So so my choice of the switchback was based both on the uh, the, the nature of the bike and, uh, itself and also the fact that it was uh, Harley and allowed me to join the group. Right. And also it enabled you to obtain sustenance. And plus that I, I was able to to partake of the uh, riding to eat as well. Yes. Okay. Can you give us some details about the bike? Things like tank sure. size, seize height, weight, etc. Yes. So, uh, as I said, the bike looks like a slightly smaller Road King, and the specs go along with that. It's got uh, about a 4.7-gallon tank. Uh, which is a little bit dis- disappointing. My my uh, Sportster had a 4.5 gallon tank, and I thought, oh okay, yeah, and I'd actually thought it would have a five gallon tank, uh, but it, uh, it turns out it's 4.7. And the problem with that is that the uh, the hog guys that I ride with all have, uh, just about all of them have baggers, and the uh, the uh, road glides and the street glides all have six gallon tanks. Yeah. And they and so they can ride uh, longer than I can. So uh, on a long distance ride, that can be a factor. So I usually have to carry some extra gas in my uh, in my bags to account for that. Uh, the seat height is about twenty six point five inches, and that's depending on not bad at all. Right, depending on the seat. And I do like that. Uh, if I'm going to ride a bike that's relatively heavy, I want to have. Uh, I want to have my feet firmly planted on the ground. Sure, absolutely. And uh, the uh, other thing about Harley-Davidson bikes in general, I find, is that they're well-designed in terms of their center of gravity. They have a nice low center of gravity. And even even the big baggers uh, are amazingly uh, maneuverable and light-feeling. Yeah. Uh, unless you're going to lean over too far. And then that's a different story. That's a different story. Yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, the weight of the bike is about seven hundred and twenty pounds. No kidding. It weighs that no much. Kidding. It does. Wow. Yeah. With the, with the I bags. See, I would have never thought that. Yeah. So a a, a Road King weighs about eight hundred and ten. So okay. I'm still about ninety pounds lighter than than the the lightest bagger that I could have gotten into. Um, the uh, engine is uh, interestingly. The engine is the same uh, engine that they use on the uh, on the big baggers, bigger baggers. It's a 103 oh, cubic okay, inch yeah, engine, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's a it's a uh, uh, dual cam overhead valve mm-hmm. uh, engine, and uh, the transmission is a six speed. 
So uh, I get good, you know, it, it cruises great on highways. And uh, I've had the bike up to uh, certainly illegal speeds. And it has no problem. It has no problem cruising at, uh, you know, over 80 mile per hour speeds. Let's put it that way. All right. Now, you bought that bike brand new or is that used when you bought it? I did not. I bought it actually from uh, another guy in the club who uh, was a road captain who wanted to move up onto one of the big baggers. And he, so I bought it from him. And when I bought it, it had about 12,000 miles on it. And I bought it about two and a half years ago. And you've put on how many miles since then? About 30,000. Excellent. I applaud yeah. you, my friend. That yes. is fantastic. So it has about 42,000 miles now. That is great. Have you made any modifications to the bike? It's a Harley. Of course I've made modifications. <laughs> you know what the rarest Harley Davidson is? <laughs> yeah, the unmodified one. That's exactly. <laughs> Stock Harley. Uh, um, what modifications have you made? Well, I, uh, the, the one, I've done quite a bit. So I, I changed the seat. Uh, it, came, it came with two seats. It had the original seat and had a sundowner seat. And sundowner is uh, a pretty good seat, actually. It is a pretty good seat. It's quite comfortable, and it it, uh, it added about an inch to the height of the uh, bike, you know, the seating position. But that wasn't a problem for me. Uh, however, what was a problem for me is that after the first long trip that I did, I found that I really, really needed a backrest. Ah, uh, yes, you yes. Know? And so I, uh, when I got back, I embarked on a search for seats with backrests, and that that's quite a trip. And it actually turns out to be pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. There's almost almost no way you can get an inexpensive seat with a backrest. Right. Uh, even even used seats are costly, and a backrest addition to a seat alone is generally around three hundred dollars just for the backrest part. Yeah, it's insane. So, but anyway, I did I did proceed. I added a Mustang seat. Uh, took off the uh, Sundowner and uh, made it into a solo, so I I can't um, I can't ride two up at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Sun the uh, the Mustang seat has a nice backrest, oh, and great. it also lowered the seat height a little bit, which I not so crazy about. But that was I got used to it. It lowered the seat height, and it made you it, uncomfortable. It did. It did because it moved me a little bit closer to the um, to the pedals, and I didn't uh, I see what you're saying. any closer. It actually made me feel a little bit cramped initially, but I got used to it, and after a while, I was okay. All right. Well, how tall are you? I'm about five nine. Okay, and I so have, yeah, you're not. So you you do have some stretch in your legs there. Um, so why don't you tell us what what, what other modifications did you make? Yeah, so it, so I did the uh, the the seat. I did I changed the windscreen because uh, buffeting is for me has been oh, have been an issue since I had the Sportster. Yeah, and so I I've really studied it uh, quite a bit and read a lot about how to reduce buffeting. And the two two of the things modifications I made, which have just about virtually eliminated buffeting at any speed, mm-hmm. is one I got a clear view. Uh, windscreen, which has a vent in it. Yeah. So it has a vent. It also has the upper lip curve at the top of the windscreen right. as well. Uh, but the major feature, I think, of the windscreen is that it has a vent in it, and that does help to decrease the buffeting. Now, when you say the buffeting, is that the sensation you have, like somebody's pounding you on the back of the head? 
That's right. It's why it's where your helmet is kind of vibrating uh, to the point where you know, it, uh, some people actually literally have gotten concussions from buffeting, wow. uh, severe that's, buffeting. That's severe. And, and I found not so much a con- concussion, but uh, over a period of time, it became extremely fa- fatiguing yeah. and even would cause a headache. Now, the windshield that you have, is, is the top of the windshield above your head or is it even with your eyes? No, actually, I, I chose a. I found that the other issue about uh, reducing buffeting was to get a windscreen that was over, that I had to look through. Yes, that's what I eventually did because my windshield yeah. originally came just below my eye line, and I wasn't. It's not so much the buffeting that was bothering me as well. Maybe it was the buffeting because it would hit me right in the face. So I eventually yeah. went to a twenty-one inch screen, which put it above my head. Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go. so yeah, so mine's a 19-inch, and it puts it above my head, uh, which I'm not crazy about. I really would prefer to look over the windscreen normally, but mm. uh, but it's definitely preferable to buffeting. Yeah, there's pros and cons to the taller windshield as opposed to the shorter ones. Like you said, uh, you can look over the shorter windshield, which on a rainy day, if you get caught in the rain, is a good thing. Right. Because you see, uh, the downside to that, again, is you hit the buffeting. So, yeah. But go on. So, oh, so that's that summarizes that. And then I, I, I did put some um, uh, wind sort of fenders on my um, shocks on my down tubes. Right. And the, the, those are, because a lot of the buffeting actually comes from under the windscreen, not over it. Mm-hmm. And so anything you can do to reduce the amount of wind that's coming through and bouncing off the fuel tank. Uh, can be helpful. So uh, I put uh, that on, and that also has helped. So I've, like I said, with those two modifications, I've virtually eliminated the uh, buffeting. I have those lowers that you put on there, those little wind deflectors on the forks. Yeah. Did that right. at all affect the engine heat? Not that I know of. Okay. I actually checked with the guy who uh, who I bought them from. This was a uh, manufacturer in New York, a, a small company, mm-hmm. because uh, – uh, most of the other deflectors were not available for the model of my, of my bike, but um, he made them specifically, and he 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 insisted that they would not interfere with engine cooling. And so far, I don't think that has been a problem. Oh, excellent. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So so there's that, and then I um uh let's see windscreen um. I added I added a rear bag. Uh, I have uh, a um, accessory, um, um, you know, rack on the back, and I right. added a bag for that. And I can put a bag on the front of that when I go, travel uh, long distances, so that uh, I can uh, make sure I, ha- I have enough room to carry stuff. And, that, and with that, and the bags that are on the bike, I'm able to pretty much carry whatever I need for a long trip. Oh, that's great. Now, do you notice any handling differences by adding those extra bags? No. Uh, the 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 main difference I notice, of course, is with the bags that uh, the, the hard bags the bike comes with. You, since they're easily removable, I can ride the bike with the bags off, and then the bike is definitely lighter and more maneuverable. Have you done that? I have. I oh, have. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes if, I'm, if I know that I'm going to be commuting in heavy traffic, I'll take them off so that I uh, don't have to worry about them. Do you uh, lane split? Of course, I am. <laughs> I, I'm in California, well, you know, and I lane split. I applaud you. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I would do that. 
Oh, yes, you would. If you're sitting, let me tell you, if you're sitting in 90 95 degrees and the traffic is stopped and the heat is coming up from the engine and, you know, you're thinking that your bike could overheat any minute, you're going to lane split. Well, it now, does get that hot here in Jersey, and I, yeah. but we're not allowed to lane split. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, I will say that when I lane split, the only time I actually lane split is when traffic is stopped. Right. And if I lane split when traffic is stopped, I'll lane split at five or ten miles an hour. That's exactly right. what you're supposed right. to do. So I'm not, you know, if the traffic's going forty or fifty miles an hour, I'm not going to lane split in order to keep moving up, which I see a lot of guys doing. Yeah. Uh, I only use it for the uh, most dire situations where I'm afraid of overheating either the bike or myself, and I really need to get out of there. Well, what's more important, you overheating or the bike overheating? Yeah, well, uh, both of us, it's important <laughs> that both of us survive, you know. So, uh, so there's that. Now, uh, let me, th- oh, so the the other things are, the, the previous owner had added a uh, CB transceiver to the bike. Oh, really? Yes. And uh, so I, my helmet has a built, it plugs into that and has a built-in mic and speakers uh, and and that CB transceiver also uh, came with a, a Bluetooth, so I can uh, uh, so I put on a phone mount and I can have my phone connect up to the CB transceiver and then therefore to my helmet, so I can use my phone for directions, phone calls, or music. So do you have like a like a Senna unit as well? No, I don't. I don't have a Senna unit. So you don't you, don't, ha- you don't talk to other riders then when you're. Uh- out there yes because i have the cb transceiver oh so that works the same way then it works it, the cb transceiver works for other riders that have a cb radio oh i see what you're saying okay you know, it won't work first for riders that have a center oh, okay so all the all the people in my club have cb transceivers that's the standard and oh. that's what that's that's sort of what harley's come with uh or the or that when you order an option that's the option you order is a, a cb transceiver oh that's interesting i see i did yeah. not know that that's very interesting. Uh, so why don't you tell us, do you have any more modifications you made? Uh, well, let's see. I added a cup holder. <laughs> that's a that's a very important modification right there. Very important modification very. because I have to, you have to keep your fluids up in hot weather. Um, and let me think. I The other things I added are, are more or less cosmetic. Um, I added some leather covers for the bags and... Uh, a dark, a black, a black cover for the primary and stuff like that. Just uh, uh, I, I added an engine guard and uh, highway pegs. Uh, yeah, so the, the bike, pegs. yeah, yep. So the bike really is a is very comfortable cruising right. uh, long distances. I, I think the the highway pegs make a huge difference, especially if you are uh, doing a lot of highway riding. Because I know I have them yep. on my bike and I use them. All the time. In fact, looking at the picture of your bike, I have the exact same ones. Oh, really? That I use, and I have them. Yes, the exact. You got those from Harley? I did. Yeah, yeah. that's the exact same ones that I have. They're very yeah. comfortable, and they, I'll just, I just love the way they, they work. They work. They're right. great. Uh, I think my only complaint about them is that they happen to rust because I live near the ocean, so that's uh, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. I, that hasn't happened yet. And the final thing that I did to the bike is I added a Vance and Hines uh, slip-on, and uh, and then a Fuel Pack Three. So because just with the slip-on alone, I was getting um, so, some popping, uh, deceleration popping, and 
banging. So mm-hmm. I added fuel pack onto it, and that cured it. Uh, so uh, the performance may be a little bit better, not a whole lot, but but uh, definitely I don't get the backfiring, and and I get I'm able to see all my my engine uh, s- statistics on my phone. Oh uh, no, using, kidding! Yeah, using the fuel pack uh, app, you can see your revs, engine temperature, and all sorts of stuff. You know, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of guys do that uh, fuel pack upgrade to their bikes. For that sole purpose, that they can do all that stuff and do some actually tuning on the fly. That's right. Yeah. Now, have you noticed? Like you said, you noticed a little bit of a performance, but has it been significant? Did you know any difference with your uh, fuel mileage at all? Yes, the fuel mileage is a little bit worse. It's worse. It's worse, and the reason is that what the one of the adjustments the fuel pack made was to actually um, make my fuel mixture a little richer. Oh. Because uh, the the popping and deceleration popping and stuff was uh, uh, part of having a bit too lean a mixture. Mm-hmm. So with the richer, slightly mixed, uh, you know, more O2, more oxygen in it, and more uh, a richer mixture, you get a little decrease in fuel mileage. So I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But the but the uh, but the bike now that has like I said has no popping uh, at all and or or you know uh, explosions. So uh, that to me is preferable. Oh, that's excellent. So, what type yeah. of riding do you do mostly with the bike? Uh, well, I used to when I was working, and as you know, I am no longer working. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I when I was working, I used to actually I used to use the bike uh, to commute when okay. I wasn't riding riding my bicycle to commute. Right. And um, uh, th- I also uh, now I don't do that anymore but i do uh, use it for my lo- local rides you know when i want to go for a ride on the twisties around here and of course we have a lot of gorgeous uh roads yes, you do. Uh, uh so i take i love taking the bike out it's uh uh it works well on those roads and i also use it for long distance touring uh well i take it out myself and i ride alone and then on most weekends I go out with a club, and we usually have one or two club rides on the weekend. Right. And there, there we ride in a group. And uh, then uh, I like at least twice a year, if I can do it, to get out on a long-distance ride. Oh, wow. And, when you yeah. say long-distance ride, what is the longest ride you've done with this bike? About 4,600 miles. No kidding. No oh, kidding. that is very impressive. So yep. tell us about that. How far? So what did you cover with that ride? So on that particular ride, uh, we I went. It was it was a, um, a ride that I did with the group with a club, and we went up the coast. We went highway up Highway One through Oregon, through uh, Washington. We went into British Columbia. Stayed over. You know, we stayed over a number of places, but we stayed over in Vancouver. Then we headed on. Up through Whistler Mountain and east uh, through British Columbia, which was absolutely spectacularly gorgeous. Wow. And then we went through Alberta, which was also gorgeous, down through Jasper and into uh, Montana. And uh, we, you know, we went to Glacier and we went to Yellowstone, uh, Grand Tetons. And then down through uh, Wyoming and 
the, the the group actually continued on down through uh, Utah, but but I broke off there and rode home alone, uh, going through um, let's say it was Wyoming and Utah, Nevada, and then into California. No so kidding. that was about a ten day ride, forty about forty six hundred miles. So how many miles were you averaging a day? Well, what was, uh, your, the, well, what was your longest day? Let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, the biggest day was about six hundred miles. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. did that, and how did the bike perform on that whole ride? You know, uh, uh, the bike was flawless on that ride. It was absolutely flawless. Uh, and never had a problem with it, and it was. Uh, Reasonably comfortable. The only thing that the only upgrade that I would like to make in the near future is to uh, is the front springs and rear shocks. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd like to upgrade those. Uh, the bike, you know, like most Harleys, has very little travel, and uh, therefore the uh, it's not exactly a, a marshmallow type ride. <laughs> but but. Um, uh, other than uh, other than that issue, it's de- it's decent enough now. Other than that, the bike p- performed flawlessly, and I had a ball. And I have to say that going across some of the uh, 80, mi- 80 mile per hour speed limit highways, uh, I tested out how fast the bike could go. Oh, you did, did you? I did. I and did. Were you satisfied with the results? Well, no, actually, I wasn't. <laughs> oh no, you weren't. Oh, do tell. I was, uh, well, well, I, I I needed to be going slightly downhill and with the tailwind to break a hundred. Oh, <laughs> and, and and I I thought I really thought it would be able to do better than that. I'm sure I'm sure if I went to some uh, of the other engine mods that are available, I could probably do that. Uh, in tr- in truth, the, the the biggest problem I had was that on some of the the eighty mile an hour speed limit highways where we were passing uh, at over eighty miles an hour, I didn't have that much get up and go. Right, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people don't think of the Dyna series of motorcycles as the bike you would want to do a four thousand plus mile tour on. Right. Uh, Right, and and I I have I ha, I feel that you know some people have done round the world world tours on Vespas. Exactly. Yeah. So so to me, it's less the motorcycle than the uh, than the rider. Uh, I, I I did some long distance touring on my Sportster, and I had a ball. You know, I I, I didn't have any problems with it. So well, the Sportster I don't is think a world he, bike. That's a bike you can do anything with. It did, and I made modifications to it to, uh, you know, to facilitate that kind of riding. Uh, so I don't think you need to have an eight hundred plus pound bagger of any no, absolutely you know, in order to do long distance touring. The bike, my bike was was uh, very comfortable, and I've ridden uh, road kings and road glides, and uh, and my bike is not that m- much less comfortable than those bikes. Well, listen, I met a guy. Uh, about a month and a half ago, who had a uh, uh, Dyna Wide Glide, and mm-hmm. he has ridden that up to um, uh, into the Arctic Circle, wow. up there to uh, Prudhoe Bay, yeah, and yeah. down into Mexico. So, yeah, don't you're not restricted by the bike. The only thing that's a restriction is yourself. That's right. Exactly. That's, that's what I think. So, what do you like most about this bike? So, the. The thing that I really I like about the bike is the low center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that it really you don't feel the weight of the bike unless you let it tip over a little bit too much. Other than that, 
uh, it's very, very manageable. Uh, in addition, uh, I find that it handles quite well. I think it's quite responsive. I write it on twisties all the time. In fact, I did a uh, a, um, a weekend um, turn um, a curve clinic, and uh, I did it on a, a track. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was riding with the sports, the uh, sport uh, motorcycles, carving the turns on this yeah. this racetrack. And I was scraping my uh, floorboards like nobody's business, but I didn't have any trouble maneuvering the bike in that kind of setting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so I think that it because of its weight, its low center, its low center of gravity, and uh, a slightly shorter wheelbase than the slightly shorter wheelbase than mm-hmm. the baggers, uh, I, I think it's a much more maneuverable bike. And let's face it, most of the riding I do is not. Uh, going to be long distance touring. It's going to be riding on local roads that are, you know, t- uh, curvier and twistier, and um, and I don't necessarily want to be taking a huge bagger out on them. Understood. Yep. So now the one question I'd like to ask all of uh, my rider riders is, what color is the bike according to the manufacturer? Ah, so. This the bike is a I believe it's called a Sun Glow Crimson Red, <laughs> or maybe it's a Sunset Crimson Red. You know, uh, it's it is actually I think a, a very appealing. It color. is a very it's nice a, color. Yeah. I like it. It's a very nice it's color. A, it's I'm just, a metal- uh, I just I just find it funny about some of the names that they come up with these colors. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they really and some of the Harley names, especially Vivid Black. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's make the really absence of color vivid. Right. Yeah, but uh, no, it's it's a it's a nice color. It's actually uh, having had to re- uh, replace or repaint some parts. It's actually a it's a multi layer paint job. Oh wow! And so uh, one of the whatever you want to criticize Harley Davidson for, one of the things that they really do well are their paint jobs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So now, although the Dyna Series motorcycles are no longer available brand new from Harley Davidson. They're still available. Still, somebody could still get one of these if they wanted to. Oh, yes, to. absolutely. So yeah. why should somebody consider this bike? Well, I would say pretty much for the same reasons that uh, that I did. Uh, if you're looking for a bagger-type bike that is smaller, lighter, and just all around easier to use than the um, uh, than the road glides, street glides, and all of that ilk, mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is a good bike. It's uh, the the other thing I didn't mention, but the engine for me has been uh, absolutely reliable. Uh, it, you don't get the most power out of it as it comes stock, mm-hmm. but it's it runs smooth. Uh, there is very little vibration, which has been a problem with some of the switchbacks. Vibration. Right. Uh, there's very little vibration. In my bike, and the uh, the engine has been utterly reliable, and transmission have been utterly reliable. So, um, for those reasons, I think this is a good step up bike for somebody who wants to uh, get into a uh, slightly bigger, uh, more capable bike than a Sportster, for instance. Understood. Now, when did they discontinue this model? Twenty sixteen. Oh, so their bike's not yeah. that old. You can still, you can definitely still find these motorcycles. You can still find them, and you know they're still pretty pricey. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really amazed. 
uh, the bike new was about seventeen grand. Right. And uh, actually, I saw one one dealer in uh, in Iowa or someplace like that has a new one still in, on their floor, and they're still selling it for seventeen. Oh, that's insane! That's crazy. It, but hey, you know yeah. if it's if it doesn't have any miles on it, and it's brand new. It hasn't. No, been that was written. brand new. Well, see, that then, then it's new. you know by all means it's worth it. So now at but, the beginning yeah. of the interview. You you had a tone in your voice that gave me the impression that perhaps you're moving on to a different type of motorcycle. Uh, very astute there, Ted. <laughs> there you go. I have a couple brain cells I tend to run together occasionally. Very now. astute. Well, I have to say that that the the drawbacks to the bike are what I consider to be drawbacks in general to Harleys, which is that their suspensions are just not that great. You know, and and so uh, I am think I am think. Oh, and the other thing is, I've seen a number of the club members mm-hmm. uh, drive up to some of the meetings on BMWs. Oh, uh-oh. and yeah, oh, is right. So I talked to them about it and they're kind of like saying, oh, yeah, these are good bikes. Okay. <laughs> BMWs. You know, and I'm thinking, and these are stalwart club members, so they're road captains, right? Yeah, for Pete's sake. So if the road captains are saying, you know, the BMW is really the bike to get, what does that mean? So, yeah. So I, I, my favorite bike really of all time yeah. is a uh, BMW R1200 RT. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a very nice bike, right? And and I, I had the R1100s, which had which uses the same engine basically and i really like that so yeah so i i do keep my eye on the ads to see about what's available in the r1200 rts and you can get a 2005 6 or 7 rt even a 2008 or 9 rt for uh, not that much money really yep i saw i saw an rt uh 2005 with low mileage about 25,000 miles 4500 No ki- really? Are you serious? No ki- I'm serious. In good condition. What year was it? It was a 2005. Oh. So it it had it it had ABS, it had traction control. You know, it had uh, a lot of the uh, it had the bags, it, it was in good condition. It was uh, the paint was good. It was about 25,000 miles on it. Well, brand new. That bike is going for 184. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Brand new is out of the question, but uh, I'm I'm telling you, you look at the at the prices of some of the bikes around that period, and you can get a low mileage bike for not that much money. Well, say so the only difference. Well, I should I should say only one of the main differences between your your BMW, like for example, this R twelve hundred RT, that and your current bike, is that you're not going to have the same amount of leg positions to put yourself in for yeah. your for your comfort. You're locked into a chair sitting situation with this, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I, I and I have not I've not ridden a, uh, a an RT, so I can't attest to the fact that I would like it if I actually rode it. Right. But boy, I think they are so beautiful and and swoopy and you know it is a very attractive bike i'll, I'll give yeah. you that it is very attractive I, I i have never ridden one i have sat on them and for a for a guy of my stature it's just not for me too small yeah, yeah so you may yeah. you might need to get a t- uh, something like a k1600 
Yeah, I mean, I need something with that get, allows me a little more reach, that allows me to stretch out, and that, I think that's which, uh, which again, at the same time, I'm contradicting myself because I like the sportsters, and even though that sometimes, in some cases, it forces me to sit in a, a more of a cramped situation, but I, I don't know what to say about that. But um, yeah, and maybe if if you go over to the BMW dealer and give this a try, you might be riding home with it. <laughs> well. Uh, Let's let's just say that I am interested. There are a number of dealers in the area that carry used bikes mm-hmm. and that do offer test rides. So uh, as soon as I get my shoulder back in working order, uh, that is something that I'd be interested in doing. Uh, and uh, what becomes of the uh, switchback? Well, now that's a very interesting question there, Ted. And... Uh, if if I if I I'm good if I continue riding with my hog group, uh, which I like doing, then I'm going to keep the switchback because I need a an Harley to ride, uh, just like the uh, other guys in the club who are sporting two bikes. Ah, you know, I see. I, so I I would do that. Of course, um, I would have to make some sacrifices in other areas to keep the domestic peace tranquility. In that case. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we say? I understand. So when's the but shoulder going to be healed? Uh, well, that's it's going to be uh, probably three or three or four months more no in kidding. order for me to get that in shape. Yeah, that's a, this is a big deal. Oh, no kidding. Would they like remove your whole shoulder and then put a new one in there? No, no. This was a tendon repair. This is a uh, rotator cuff repair. I understand. And and so they just had, but they did have to put anchors in my bone. Oh. And reattach the torn tendon, sew it up and reattach it to the bone. Uh, so it, there is a, a long recovery period for this. Wasn't there like a witch doctor somewhere you could have gone to to avoid all that? Yeah, I tried those. It oh, didn't, it didn't work. work. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Did a lot uh, of physical therapy So, So I, you're going to be off the bike for another three or four months? I am going to be off the bike for another three or four months. Is there months? any kind yeah. of physical therapy you can do to speed that up? Well, I am doing physical therapy, actually. Uh, I've started now. Uh, passive exercises only. Uh, we won't go to active for another, probably another month. Uh, and there isn't a whole lot that I can do. I, I My arm is in a sling now. Yeah, I see that. I don't know if you see it. Yeah. And uh, the surgeon t- told me to keep it in a sling uh, for at least six weeks because uh, that does facilitate the healing. Wow, that's crazy. So, so when you say yeah. passive uh, physical therapy is that kind of like you just sit there and think about it or <laughs> yeah how does that yeah, work so actually the idea is that you use uh, in many of the exercises i use my other arm to lift my arm right and to uh and to uh, push the uh range of motion that i have i see so uh, they're passive in the sense that i don't use the affected arm right. to lift or to move. I have to use my other arm or put my uh, hand on the wall or on a desk mm-hmm. and slide it using the other the other hand. Uh, so you're actually not physically supposed to move your arm. I'm, I'm not physically supposed to uh, move my arm under its own power. I see. I can I can move it with my other arm or using other objects, but I I'm not supposed to move it under its own power. I understand. So, well, yeah. that's this is the motorcycle men physical therapy show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so I would be so bad at that because I would say like I'm moving my arm. I, I would just be so very bad at that. No. 
Well, I, I tell the truth. After after about uh, two weeks, I took the sling off, and I was walking around without the sling, and I thought, this is great. You know, I was going for hikes and stuff, and then I saw the surgeon, and he was horrified, and he and he explained to me, which he could have done earlier. He explained to me that keeping the arm in the sling helps to uh, elevate the elbow, uh, so such that it's the the tendon uh, on the top of my shoulder is not stretched. Ah, I see. Yeah. So it takes it takes the tension and uh, weight off of that tendon, and thus facilitates the healing process. So there you go, boys and girls. Right from Larry Lanes. Who knows, man? If you get your arm in a sling like this, listen to the doctor. Listen to the doctor. And so, keep your arm in the sling. Yeah. And so buy, that buy a I'm doing. Back. I'm doing that to facilitate my healing and to get back on the bike sooner. Right, because you're going to need that. It's your throttle arm. That is my – actually, it worked fine as my throttle arm, but if I had to twist the handlebars too far to the left, it hurt. Uh, so you, could make, you can't make any left turns. So uh, I can make a very slow and gradual <laughs> left – civilized left turn. So basically for your say. own safety, you should only make right turns then. So for my own safety, right turns and straight is okay. about the way that I can go, yeah. So when you get the BMW – then you, I fully suspect that by before the end of the year, you will have that twelve hundred RT in your garage. You think? I I think I think so. I mean, All right. Well, you, know, yeah, you, you, you seem to be a, you seem to be a prolific motorcycle purchaser. You never know. Well, yeah, I have been through. Well, I, I'm making up for lost time. You know, I only started this about uh, thirteen or fourteen years ago, and you know, I got a lot of riding to you make got a up lot of for. catching up to do. All right, I do. I understand. Understood. So before we before I kick you off, um, and we've gone longer than fifteen minutes. Yes, so I know. And I, you will be the the, <laughs> the first, the very first uh, ride ride interview that I've done that has gone beyond eighteen minutes. So I, I, it's such an honor. It's it's quite all right. I I appreciate it because you had things to say, and I and I, I, I appreciate that. So why don't you tell us a little about how people can listen to the throttled podcast? And hear your smooth, buttery voice. <laughs> yeah, well, that I don't know about. But it is the Throttle Podcast, and you can get the Throttle Podcast uh, through iTunes. Uh, just uh, just uh, search for Throttled, or you can go to throttled.com, throttlepodcast.com, and find it there. Uh, and you will listen not only to my mellifluous tones, but uh, Kevin's and Chris's as well. Excellent, Larry. I want to thank you very much for joining me here on Rider Rides on the Motorcycle Men podcast. I would say ride safe, but at this point, all I will say to you is walk safe. <laughs> yeah. And for everybody else, make sure you ride your own ride. Exactly. Thank you very much, Larry. My pleasure. If you'd like to be featured with your bike on Rider Rides, here's what you do. Go to the Motorcycle Men website at www.motorcyclemen.us. Go to the episodes page and fill out the form and submit. If selected, all you have to do is provide us with a sound bite of your bike, and you'll get a one-on-one -on -one interview with your host. Thanks for listening, and keep on riding. One more thing, kids. Please visit Cycle Gear for all of your motorcycle and motorcycle clothing needs. With 136 stores nationwide, you're bound to find one near you, and they will definitely get you whatever it is that you might need. And if you go to the Edison, New Jersey store, be sure and tell them that the motorcycle men sent you, and they'll take care of you. Go over there and see Chainsaw Ginny or Sean. 
and Tobacco Motor Wear. For the best in stylish and comfortable riding jeans, go to Tobacco Motor Wear and get yourself a pair of Kevlar-lined riding jeans. These are fantastic. This is what I wear. This is great stuff. And while you're there, get yourself a Kevlar-lined California riding shirt as well. Great-looking clothing, and they offer the protection you need while you're on your bike going for that long ride. And when you order, make sure you tell them that the Motorcycle Men sent you. And make sure that you use the coupon code MOTORCYCLEMEN when you're ordering. 